This is Freedom Studios podcast. I'm Aisha Khan, co-artistic director of Freedom Studios. In today's episode, we'll be hearing about our recent production, BD Stories, two short plays by local female writers. My colleague Alex Chisholm will be talking to Asma El-Badawi and Aina Khan. Asma is a spoken word artist who's performed both nationally and internationally. She's also a basketball player and a global brand ambassador for Adidas. Aina is a journalist whose work has been published in The Guardian, Al Jazeera English and Vogue Arabia. So that's all from me. Let's hear from Alex. The roots of BD Stories, our double bill, go back to 2017, I think, when I first gave you both a call saying, would you like to come along and become associate artists at Freedom Studios? And uh, you were then and are still a poet, asthma, and a journalist, Aina. And I was inviting you in to come and try some playwriting. So tell, tell me a little bit first about your writing work outside of playwriting and what it was like getting to grips with learning how to be a playwright. So I'd been writing poetry since I was about eight years old. And one of the biggest reasons that I was writing poetry was mainly because there was no structure. So when I had to write a play... <laughs> To me, I felt like that was one a really big challenge. I knew that I might struggle a bit in terms of structuring it, in terms of just writing the script. And I think when you called me, I wanted the challenge, firstly. And two, I just felt like there was so much I actually wanted to say that I wasn't being able to say in my spoken word poetry because I was standing and I was doing these performances, but it was just like 10 minutes and then I was just getting off. And there was so much topics that I really wanted to delve into a lot more. So for me, I think writing the play was an amazing experience for me in terms of really being able to explore the different parts of me because each of my characters actually ended up being a little bit of me. And it was almost like a therapy as well because there was the eating disorder stuff, the identity stuff, and then there was just the stuff that was like, I'm someone who plays sports and I really want to do well in that and kind of show my family that actually... The fact that I didn't go down traditional route in terms of sciences and my education is not a bad thing. And I could still tell stories about my culture and my country in an amazing way and not forget about my roots. Um, for me, like what my writing journey has been kind of all over the place because I, 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 I was writing since I was a kid. Like I used to write fiction and I always planned on being some kind of a fiction writer and that's keeping in mind I came from a family where nobody had been to university nobody came from a professional background so I didn't really know what I meant to like write all I knew was that oh, I've seen films and I read books and that's kind of what I want to do uh, and then if you want I kind of accidentally fell into journalism because still at the heart of what I do is I want to write and that's why I became a journalist um, but then it kind of got diluted with the whole kind of news aspect because news is so different to to, to writing if you want you're just kind of it, it feels kind of cold sometimes if you want it, depending on what it is you're writing some news stories can just be really bare basic facts this happened at this time so and so passed away like and that's it um but then i guess that's kind of why i went down the features route as well and when you write features you're writing it's like a, a you know a story you're writing a story there's characters at the heart of the feature there's somebody's story at the heart of that feature uh, and that's why I stuck to it because I thought actually this is a really cool vehicle for me to write stories but actually real life stories so then obviously when you Alex 
you know, DM'd me on Facebook, like, hey, seeing your stuff. Like, and this is really funny because I think a lot of people didn't know that as well as being a journalist, I used to write random bits of prose on Facebook, which was just so random now that I think of it. But, you know, how Asma said it was like a form of therapy. My writing prose was also a form of therapy because for a few years I had like this identity crisis where people were probably listening to me now thinking she does not sound like a Bradfordian. It's because technically I'm not. I'm from London. I moved from London to Bradford. And one of the ways I dealt with moving from one city to another where it was just so, so different, like culturally and, you know, geographically, whatever you want, was writing. And I used to write a lot about, you know, just little things that I saw in Bradford, just kind of like navigating what... You know, I was really confused about where home was and who I was and where I belonged and, and write, writing those random Facebook statuses <laughs> in a weird way were actually really good therapy. But that's obviously how you looked at my work and was like, ah, maybe there's some potential here. Uh, and then again, if you want, accidentally stumbled into playwriting, which was just a completely different experience, a completely different journey. Because whilst Asma went for poetry because because of the lack of structure, I have, in a way, always leaned on forms of structures because, for me, it's like a form of control and a form of ordering that makes me more comfortable. And ways that I thought would make my writing, and I'm, like, doing the fake quotation marks, better. But actually, playwriting kind of made me realise that I need to think beyond uh, boundaries of structure. And I don't mean in the sense of, you know, start, middle, and end, and, you know, act one, act two, act three. I don't mean like that. But just thinking beyond the box, thinking beyond news writing and, um, and all of that stuff. So, yeah. You've both mentioned identity, and I think that came out as a theme in both the plays. And when we originally showcased these last year, the Bradford Lit Fest, and we went, actually, there we really want to take these plays to a wider audience. It would just be awful if they just stopped there with one show. So we thought, okay, we really want to do it again. So came up with this idea, called it BD Stories, because they felt, whether or not they explicitly referenced Bradford, rooted in, in a sense of here, and also questioning that. And I think that's really interesting, that they both threw up these questions of identity. Um, who are you? Are you the place you're from? Are you the place your parents are from? Are you the things that you do? Are you the things that your parents want you to do? So just talk talk a little bit about that, what you explored in your pieces around identity and how you feel Bradford as a place relates to that. So I was born in Sudan and then I came here when I was one. And I think until I was 11, I just knew this to be home because I never went home. Well, what my parents called home. And I remember like hearing stories of them telling me things about their brothers and sisters and how Sudan was like, but I could never really imagine it. And it wasn't until my parents took me and my brother at the age of 11 to Sudan and then I got to meet everyone. And in my head, family was my mom, my dad, me and my brother. And it was like, I never actually genuinely thought that my mom had a mom and a dad and a brother and a sister. And then... My mum was just sitting there telling me, like, this is my brother. And I'm like, that's so strange. And when I came back from that, and we kept going, so it was, like, almost every two years, Max would go again, mm-hmm. I suddenly got, like, invited into this other world that was supposedly mine. And even things that I would do there, like, when I'd go and want to play with the boys' football, my other cousins would kind of pull me to the side and say, like, girls don't do that here. 
And so I saw that there was a lot of stuff that I was doing here that I wasn't necessarily allowed to do there, but somehow my parents allowed me to do that here. But at the same time, there was things there that I didn't have here. So I didn't have a bond with my grandma or my uncles, and I didn't have cousins that I saw every single day. So I think for a long, long time, I did explore identity in every form. So I studied photography, video and digital imaging, and a lot of my work was around this identity thing. And then in my master's as well, it was in visual arts and I still explored identity. And I think when I explored it in the play, it was almost subconscious because I'd done it for so long and it was such a huge part of me that I automatically, by default, want to tell people about me in terms of like, I'm Sudanese, I play sports and you know, I live in England and my parents are like this and this is what I'm trying to prove in my life in terms of my career. So I think it was really subconscious. But at the same time, the play had poems in there. And I think one of the poems by Sarah, that was written, actually they were all written before the play. (laughs) (laughs) But that one was probably the most recent and the most, I would say that, I don't even know how to explain this, but basically it explores a lot of mental health issues that come with not feeling like you belong. And it also explores religion a, a tiny bit. So this idea of like putting your faith in God and like actually everything's going to be okay in the end. And there's so much that we don't know about the world and what's written for us. So I guess what I'm trying to really say is because I've lived here for so long, I feel like Bradford is home. But at the same time, I also feel like it's not home because I know as a Sudanese girl, I don't look like what an English person would look like. And no matter what, I would never still fully be from this country. And a lot of the stuff that I was doing before, like with the photography and everything, and I was trying to explore what identity was for me. And then I kind of came to the conclusion that identity is always changing. And at every point of your life, you might feel more Sudanese, more sporty, more feminine, more whatever it is. And I think in the play, I showed the three identities that I feel are the strongest in my life at the moment. And that was the things around eating disorders, the theme around basically being Sudanese, growing up here, but longing for home almost, and the theme around sports and wanting to do well in sports. Hmm. (laughs) identity see i think for me when i think about identity it's 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 become really difficult recently actually because i feel like sometimes um as as a woman who happens to be british pakistani muslim all of that sometimes your experiences are just reduced to just that those boxes those tick boxes identity tick boxes and so recently i've actually been questioning a lot of that that is that simply who i am and obviously a lot of my personal experiences, professional experiences, have been influenced by these boxes that I live in. But, but it's a good thing as well. Actually, the play has prompted a lot of these questions as well, that should I just limit myself to those things? But I guess why identity poured into my play was definitely because of my mum's experiences. My mum was a first-generation British-Pakistani girl who grew up in Bradford in the 80s, had parents who came from Pakistan, um, and she was navigating all the stuff that, like, similar to Asma. Asma came from Sudan to Bradford. Mum, mum was born in Bradford, 
um, except, you know, she had to kind of navigate through my grandparents' uh, struggles of, you know, is this our country? And my mum is, in a way, kind of uh, definitely a storyteller in her own right, because I always, when I was growing up, she told me so many stories about about my granddad. And I remember one story where she was telling me about my granddad coming into Bradford for the first time and just being shocked at the fact there was so much snow or the smoke coming from, like, the, the mills that were still operating then in the 60s. And it's such a vastly different image to what he'd grown up with in Pakistan. Um, he was the son of a widowed woman, uh, you know, kind of tending to cattle and, you know, literally making ends meet in, in sunny Pakistan. Not exactly like an ideal life or anything, but just a vastly different life, a different food, different sense, all of that stuff. And it's interesting, my granddad's experiences are vastly different to mine as well, but that kind of, you know, just those sense and those things and those memories that he had, it, it really connected with me as well. Um, but in a completely different way, because all I did was move from London to Bradford, which is a four hour drive. <laughs> but in many ways, and I always say this to my friends as well, my London friends, I'm like, you know what? And in a lot of ways, even though I went to Bradford since literally I was a baby, my mum brought me here. Moving here when I was 15, it was literally like moving to another country, uh, a country without borders. Um, and I, su- I suppose that in, in, a, in a huge way kind of poured into the into the play. I wasn't trying to offer any answers in my play either. What I wanted to throw up were were two things, really. The fact that you can be comfortable having all these different identities and not really belonging to one. But also more than that, identity is really, really complicated and it's so messy. Um, And that's it comes back to what I was saying earlier as well about realising that actually I'm, I'm more than just my identity. You can't just limit a person's experiences to you know who their grandparents were, who they their parents were, who they are as well. And, and unfortunately, I think that's been forced on us because of the political situation as well in terms of what happened after 9-11, what happened after 7-7 bombings, where suddenly Muslims were under the spotlight. And suddenly you have people referring to themselves as British Muslims as well. So, yeah, in a really subtle way, I guess my play is picking at all of those things, not exactly really, really explicitly in your face, but just like the odd line where, you know, for instance, the main character, Hawajan, says to the audience, looks at them directly and says, you know, dad was born in Pakistan, so that makes him country, but I was born here. So that makes Britain my country too, doesn't it? Uh, you know, and that's the question mark, is it? Does does she belong here? And as Asma mentioned, you know, uh, that belonging is also really messy as well because if you're not ethnically white, does that mean, you know, or English, should I say, does that mean that you don't belong in this country or can you own that and actually be like, actually, yeah, I am, I am British and, and all these other kind of parts of my identity. Because it's really interesting. I have friends who uh, whose parents migrate from Pakistan. They are ethnically Pakistani, but they will call themselves English they will actually call themselves English, where I have other friends who completely like shred that label and say, no, I'm not English. I'm, I'm British. I'm British. I feel that like that is more inclusive of people who aren't from white backgrounds, uh, because ultimately, I guess the question is, does, does, you know, what does it mean to be British? Is it being white? Is it being all that and everything in between? Or um, so, yeah, I guess really I have no answers. But that's if there was any message I was trying to convey in that place, there is there are no answers to who you are. Yeah, I think the the interesting thing about telling stories via characters, via drama, is that you don't necessarily you don't get to an answer. You you get to complicate the questions, and it may well land differently with different people. That certainly has been our experience because we we were very fortunate um, with funding from the Amal Foundation. We got to take these plays to different places around Bradford, um, community centres, and also play it in an art centre in the centre of Bradford. And certainly our discovery is how distinct 
different communities around Bradford are and how all of them responded to the plays. Um, and that is true of a predominantly white community in, in BD5 as it was to a predominantly South Asian community in BD3 um, as it was to a very mixed community up in Shipley. And I was told by a whole range of different people, I really responded to this, um, who weren't necessarily Pakistani or Sudanese, but they identified, they identified with the emotions in the characters. And the majority of your characters are young. There is one older grandmother character in Pashto Thriller. But people of all ages said, I related to this. I, I felt it. I felt their, their emotions. I identified, even if they weren't from a, a Pakistani or Sudanese immigrant family, said, oh, my grandmother came from Italy. I had friends who were Romanian. So it's been really interesting to see how all sorts of different people have related and responded to the plays uh, some with very very specific kind of I am Pakistani and I absolutely identify with that very specific thing or I can relate to the emotion of this moment um, you've now had the opportunity to see a number of shows in front of different audiences um, what's been that experience what have you learned what have you seen what have you enjoyed you know, when we first started talking about the play, I was like, I don't want to do a basketball play. And then we did a basketball play. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and looking back, I'm so happy that I did a basketball play because I felt like I brought something in that was slightly different. And I felt like a lot of my friends came to watch um, and they felt like their stories were being told in those spaces. And especially because most of it was basically in a locker room and I think every person has either been in one in a gym or a swimming pool or, or whatever so for me it was just really interesting kind of sitting there and listening to people laugh and then sort of listening to people just go completely quiet during the poems and then speaking to people after and them giving me like feedback to my face <laughs> because for some reason it just feels more like an achievement when someone's come up to you after and sort of said, you know, I really like this and I like that about, you know, the play and I identified with all these different characters. And I felt really proud, one, for bringing basketball into theatre. And I also felt really proud to be doing it in Bradford because this is where I've grown up. And I felt glad that my own people sort of appreciated it. It was a really interesting experience for me because I had people who were... So the play is largely influenced by my mum's experiences growing up in 1980s Bradford, dancing to, you know... The 80s was a great decade for music. I wasn't even born then, but I feel like I lived through that decade vicariously from my mum. And, you know, when I was a kid, she'd always play, like, um, you know, Lionel Richie and Shaka Khan, and, and still does to this day as well, all that music. And she'd always have stories about Michael Jackson as well. So... It was really interesting because I had people who were from my mum's generation coming up to me. Like, I remember one guy came up to me. He was like, how the hell, how old are you? And I was like, oh, I'm 28. And he was like, how did you, like, bottle my experiences growing up in the 80s into this play? Like, that's not your generation. I was like, it's because of my mum. 
it's because of my mum. So I had people coming up to me talking about the impact that Thriller had on them because Thriller was like a really life-changing moment for so many people like michael jackson was one of the first artists artists who, who happened to be black as well who was given like a prime time spotlight on mtv at the time that was a massive change a life-changing moment for a lot of people who felt like they were seen all of a sudden because there was a man who looked like them or different if you want uh who was taking this huge huge spotlight and really like shaking the world with his music so there's that moment, there's that, you know, there's that feedback that I got from people who were like, honestly, it resonated with my childhood experiences. Then there was this moment where on, on, on one of the school's days, I remember that the play was on and I could hear some whispering in the background and I could just hear this girl like translating because the play is in English and Pushto, um, which is my mother tongue. I could hear this girl translating the Pushto, Like you could actually hear her. Oh, she's saying this. Oh, she's saying that now. And I was thinking, who is this? Like, she she obviously knows Pushto because she's translating all the lines. And I remember afterwards, Dermot, the assistant director, kind of said, you know, who was it that was translating the Pushto earlier? And she put her hand up and he asked her, he was like, you know, how did it feel hearing your mother tongue on stage? And, you know, she replied to him, it made me feel really proud. That was, for me, like, completely, like, mind-blowing because... Um, my, my intention was, of course, to, you know, reflect people that aren't seen on stage, people like me who happen to be from Pakistani backgrounds, maybe visibly Muslim, all of those things, or don't speak English, reflecting those characters on stage. But to have a young girl say that she felt seen and she felt really proud, that was really, really special. But then Alex also, as you said earlier as well, the audiences that this play, the, both of our plays have gone to as well, vastly different audiences, some in white working class communities, some in mixed communities. I remember watching uh, on Wednesday, I remember there was a couple sat in front of me, both of them happened to be white. They were laughing from start to finish. And really, I think ultimately that for me was the best thing, the best part of the play as well. Yes, it, as I said, at the heart of it was you know, making sure that people from my background, my ethnic background, religious background are seen. But really at the heart of it, it was actually to bring people together because as you rightly pointed out, when it comes to emotion, that transcends all forms of barriers. If it's a good story and it has a good character and it has those emotions at the heart of it, it will, it will pierce anyone's heart. It doesn't matter who it's about. Uh, and that's what I realised as well because I still remember saying to you, Alex, that, oh, I feel like some of the lines in Pushtor, maybe we should translate them. And you insisted, you were like, no, actually, that's the grandmother character. Grandma can only speak in Pushtor, so she should only speak in Pushtor. We'll figure out the rest, how an audience will understand it. But it'll connect, it'll connect. And I realised, actually, at the end, it really did. It really did, even though people didn't fully understand, because, as you said, the emotion came through, because at the heart of it, sounds really kumbaya, but we're all human beings, right? Um, and, yeah, as I said, it took for me to kind of... Uh, realize that as well that actually yeah that there is a value in stories that aren't in english that that for me was was the best thing the best reaction really actually yeah that commitment to making sure that the the grandmother who only spoke spoke pushto spoke pushto on stage was really crucial and actually yeah. there are only six pushto speaking <laughs> actresses in the whole of the UK. Yeah. Um, yeah. And which, even then, they probably don't speak the dialect that I speak. No. But I, I tell you something even more. There's only one that speaks Pushto and Yorkshire. And that is Yasmin and Khan, who we, was, got. who we got. Yeah. Um, because, crucially, she is from Huddersfield and she is from a Patan background. Yeah. Which was so grateful she came she was also a phenomenal performer. And a comedian. And a Incredible. comedian who totally got every single character. So anyway, in our last little minute, if you can just say one line about what is next for you, where, what you want to do next. Don't look at me. 
<laughs> I think personally, I want to go into film, as in write things for film. I just feel like this experience really taught me that I shouldn't actually box myself into spoken word poetry, and that actually spoken word poetry does have a space in the middle of my plays and can go into film or whatever it is that I want it to go into. And I also can just take it out because at the end of the day, what I've really just been doing with you guys is telling stories and I can do that in any form. And I'm quite excited to kind of explore all the forms that are out there. I think same for me, really. I, I've I'd forgotten the power of, of telling a story that really resonates with people no matter where they're from and you know I, I feel like as, as a writer I have a responsibility maybe to actually get some stories out there and really try and you know bring people together and show them different you know life through a different lens so for me I think I would love to make this into a full full length play um, but really yeah I do I, I actually really do want to start writing more as well like it's given me a bit of a jolt to, to start writing creatively more and less maybe journalistically so yeah that's the plan for, for, for the future excellent well watch this space for more more works plays films from you both and thank you very much thank you for having us, us. <laughs>